Tomorrow, the MLS Canadian Series wraps up, and we're excited to announce that Waking the Red Weekly, presented by Footy Talks, now officially a Vancouver Whitecaps podcast. Head on the show, we'll discuss the Whitecaps' big match against the Montreal Impact tomorrow, rank Yasser Kamiri hairstyles, and play which baldissimo is which with Jeff. Um, but in all seriousness, uh, of course, we'll chat Voyager's Cup final scenarios, Toronto FC Phase 2 plans, a new signing for the Reds as well, and plenty more. We're glad you could join us, whether that's Facebook or in the Zoom audience or, of course, wherever you are listening to the podcast today. As always, I have Jeff Nasker with me, looking real excited that uh, Obama Yang was signed today. I Actually, I was going to wear a TFC shirt and then I was going to wear a Ford shirt, but I decided I'm going to wear this shirt because both these teams need the patience of Arteta ball. So I am putting that out into the world. <laughs> That Forge and TFC, we need to be patient. Do what Miguel Arteta does. Also, this kit rules. Um, Mitch, uh, 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 you didn't you didn't open with the intro I wanted. I, I suggested that you say that this episode is brought to you by the letters M and B and the number one. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Well, uh, well, yeah, we'll get to that in in a second. But of course, Michael Singh is here as well. Not sure if uh, there's a fire alarm still going on uh, at his place, unfortunately. Uh, yeah, I so, think I'm uh, good right now, Mitch. I'm just going to hop in and just say, hey, Martin, thanks for joining us today because I'm super excited for this. JPN kind of, kind of alluded to it, kind of alluded to it already. Um, but that's all I'll say for now because I feel like this fire alarm is about to go off in any second. <laughs> so if, yeah, if you if if Michael doesn't talk for a while, or or I guess if you see him rapidly leaving, you know what's uh, you know what's going on there. But this is not uh, a drill. Yeah, but uh, yes, as as everyone has now alluded to, we're very pleased to be joined as well by the stats goat himself, <laughs> the Reds numbers guru, Martin Bailey. How's it going? Hey guys, thanks for the invite. I appreciate it. I uh, much like Jeff, I, I think I was expecting to be uh, the the little hero note underneath my name, Martin Bailey, winner of the CPL coin lottery. I thought that's what I was on. Five minutes. I feel like the luckiest guy in the world. <laughs> oh boy. Well, Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for joining us. And I think, uh, as I said, you know, as, as weird as it is, we're, we're going to start by not talking about a Toronto FC game because the, the biggest games this week uh, actually don't involve Toronto FC, of course. Um, much to Martin Bailey's chagrin, you can throw the spreadsheets out the window. It's, it's only a win that's needed for the Montreal Impact. Uh, goals don't matter in order for them to advance to the Voyagers Cup final. Uh, with their game against the Vancouver Whitecaps tomorrow. Um, I guess, how did we get here, Jeff? What, what are your thoughts on everything that we've seen from these two sides uh, mm -hmm. the past, uh, past week? Uh, I mean, the, uh, was, it a, was it on Saturday or Sunday, the first uh, game? I think it was Saturday Sunday. night. Sunday. Sunday? Okay, well then, it, <laughs> I think wrong. Uh, yeah, that game was chaos, uh, and it was a roller coaster ride. Um, you know, it, it felt like uh, Vancouver might put one over on, on the impact a couple times and certainly uh, getting that, that first goal uh, was awesome for us. But uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the ramifications of that loss, Cava going out, um, uh, you know, all the red cards and, and, and the disciplinary actions. Uh, it's going to be an interesting night tomorrow night. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, that that was as wild a game as you can imagine. I mean, like you said, uh, I think Osorio was saying on um, 
come on you Reds this week that he, he actually talked to Lucas Cavallini before that game and he now regrets doing that a little bit um, <laughs> trying to get him trying to get him fired up for that game but um, <laughs> that's that certainly didn't work he got a little too fired up and obviously got sent off and you know Martin do we do you think there's any hope there here I know Vancouver's probably one of the most unpredictable sides in in MLS but they haven't looked up for it in any of their matches against Montreal so far. No, no, it, it's it's pretty incredible. I uh, I know I, I said to you guys last week when I was watching, you know, Vancouver and some of these performances that they've had, um, I think it was back in the MLS's back tournament when the, the crazy third-place grid was happening. For about 85 minutes, we were lined up to get Vancouver in the round of 16 before I think Galaxy scored a meaningless mm-hmm. goal and got us um, City in the knockout stage. So that would have been fun to get them there. We've obviously had our fill of them since we've come north of the border. Um, you you, you kind of have to hope that I, I took a look at the Western conference table and there are only five points out of a playoff spot with allegedly 12 or 13 matches to go. So their story hasn't been written in the league. Um, the, the match might be dead rubber as far as the Voyager cup is concerned, but there's three realistic legitimate uh points up for grabs in the western table and and hopefully that's enough to see them through to a scrappy let's call it three three draw with eight men left on the field at the end of the game (laughs) um it's funny the cavallini um like the first one was undisciplined the second one was ridiculous for Mm -hmm. for for diop's health and for the fact that he was carrying a caution already um Mm -hmm. I, i i searched a little bit uh, online, I saw Ryan Burns on Twitter pointed out um, since 2013, Cava's had uh, seven reds, uh, straight reds, and then four more the long way with double yellows. And even since the start of last season, he's had four straight reds and 17 yellows. So um, his temper might not be, this might not be the first time it's gone off, but um, it's the first time it's bothered me as a Toronto FC fan. <laughs> so um, ho- hopefully there's, um, there's something left to play for uh, on for, for Vancouver on Wednesday night. We, we were saying as we were watching it on Sunday, it, it's been tough to watch 90 minutes of TFC defending uh, and relying on their back line, but it's much, much worse watching Vancouver's back line for 90 minutes and depending on it. It was, it was, uh, it was a horror show halfway through. Yes, certainly. I'm going to come right back to you, Martin, here and get your thoughts as, you know, our resident uh, tables man, I guess. Um, Your thoughts on head-to-head not being a tiebreaker, because obviously that looms huge. Now, Toronto FC, um, you know, they've beaten both teams twice and they might not win this thing. That, you know, I I, I was saying that before this even ended up being the scenario. That never sat quite right. Yeah, Yeah, I I went digging about three weeks ago, I think, um, after Toronto's third win. And I tried, I wanted to see whether if four straight wins could close this out um, in match five of nine, if, if they could close out the tournament and I'm searching found him. There was no head to head. I'm like, okay, well that's odd. So, so 12 points won't see them through. Um, and, but it does seem a bit weird, right? Because every single other team in the tournament has been bested by Toronto FC. Um, mm-hmm. a, a follower from Montreal pointed out and, and rightfully so that because Montreal and Toronto don't play the same amount of games at each other's home and Toronto and Vancouver don't play each other as equal times at each other's home that head to head might be a bit skewed. So technically the CSA was protecting Toronto FC from Montreal 
when they didn't make the home and home the first tiebreaker because we played 180 minutes in Montreal. Montreal only played 90 in Toronto. But if there'd be some sort of way that it could be like a 1A tiebreaker, like it could tiebreak it if the weak, if it benefited the weaker team. Like Toronto was the one being protected, and Toronto doesn't need to be protected or want to be protected. At this well. <laughs> I mean, but it is what it is. Like yeah. the, the rules are set and dry and and uh you know as a football or even a hockey nation we're well aware what uh shootouts can do to the heart but it was on paper before you kicked off and you play mm. by the rules that were set down so as bittersweet as it is it, it it beggars belief that we can beat both teams two out of three and still be down for the count yeah, yeah michael do you think they do you think toronto fc did enough here because uh, like we said they did uh, they did kind of their part getting the big win at Saputo Stadium, but obviously the the two losses in this round now loom very large. You know, particularly I think we'll all look back to that one penalty moment if if you know Vancouver doesn't do the business tomorrow. Yeah, no, obviously the the penalty would be the talking point, but I still think the the biggest you know surprise was dropping those those points to Vancouver. Obviously. Um, mm-hmm especially when we're watching them against Montreal and we're hoping for them to kind of salvage something. And as Martin kind of pointed out, like watching Vancouver's back line for 90 minutes is a lot tougher than watching TFC's back line. So <laughs> we'll count our blessings there. And, you know, with, with all this Vancouver banter, I, I still do hope they pull something out tomorrow because, you know, TFC do need some help, which is kind of crazy thinking that they, they took two out of three from Montreal. They took two to three from Vancouver and still they're not, going to be in pole position to you know reach that that final it's, it's such a montreal fashion to win this kind of this or if they do if they do kind of get this this voyage cup final it's, it's it's montreal fashion isn't it just kind of kind of like the Pelly shootout last year it just it doesn't feel um like a real win right and you know i guess i'm talking from a biased Toronto FC yeah, yeah i'm sure it but, would feel real enough to ultras montreal but you know yeah, yeah, definitely. But um, there were few, getting back to Mitch's original question. There are a few points that TFC could have, um, kind of turning points where TFC could have changed. Maybe some of the defending. Maybe Altador in the back post to Wanyama was that goal offside? Was it not? Could Altador have defended better there? You know, just little slip ups like that that you know TFC could look back on and regret. So yeah, the target point will be the penalty, but there are plenty of other you know turning points in, in the six matches that TFC played. Yeah, I, I actually think dropping, dropping, shipping three goals to Vancouver was a bigger uh, uh, mess up. And, and I just want to interject, do you think Vancouver hates us more than they hate Montreal? I mean, we did take a V cup from them while they were in the stands waiting to be delivered it. So <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure if they're out to do us any, you know, I'll scratch your back, you scratch yours kind of kind of stuff but we'd be remiss if we didn't suggest that uh if we didn't mention that james grossi called uh to saint ricketts scoring for vancouver to win and give us the v cup which would be absolutely fantastic and i hope it happens he got the rest the other night yeah he got the rest exactly yeah. and he's, what, <laughs> he's the only striker they have now that isn't injured or uh on you know uh, suspended so well the last time we won the voyager cup two years ago it was leg one in maybe the 94th minute that uh, Operation Agent Doniel Henry kicked in, and we got the own goal <laughs> that we needed on the road and set us on the way to the last. So, so maybe there's another, yeah, past um, Rex 
and again, just just to try to add on a bit to the Montreal Canadian hatred, I, I don't want Michael being the only one that uh, gets added in the mentions. But uh, when you talk about typical Montreal fashion, uh, I remember in the spring uh, when they were heading into their uh, second round tie against Olympia in the um, Champions League. We, we know that they've made it to the semifinals against uh, Santos Laguna or, or the quarterfinals against Santos Laguna. And, and they made it to the finals um, about four or five years ago. But they've never outscored a Champions League opponent in a two-legged uh, affair. I think they've had about seven. And four times they've uh, advanced on road goals like four times every single time they've ever advanced in the champions league it's been because of a tiebreaker so Hmm. i I think it would be somewhat fitting that if in fact they do get this 2020 voyager cup it will be on the fourth tiebreaker perhaps it if if they win one nil they'll get the voyager cup on the fourth tiebreaker yeah I, i think jeff uh made a good point bringing up the miracle of Montreal because this really does feel like the old Voyagers Cups where they were won by some some weird moments. Um, and, and this year, will it looks like will be no different, at least uh, in terms of a berth in the final. Uh, Michael, I wanted to, to get your thoughts on, you know, what should be the talking point moment of this week from a Toronto FC perspective, and that's Josie Altidore's late goal against Montreal and, the, you know, the quiet quiet now moment that I think was incredible. And, you know, just a reminder of what Josie is when he's at his very best. Um, you know, what, what, what does that maybe mean for Toronto going forward? Because that, that felt like at least a somewhat big moment for, for Josie. Yeah. Just another iconic moment for Josie Altador in a Toronto FC uniform. Right. Um, is Greg Vanny kind of mentioned it after the game. It, it maybe it does start with one and the floodgates kind of get going from here. But what I will say about that Josie Altador performance is thank God he did score that goal. <laughs> because if he didn't, I, I, was, I was already writing it. I know the comments were already writing. I know Twitter was already going off. When is Josie Altador on his way out of Toronto? Because here he is, you know, matching his longest ever goal scoring drought. Um, in the game, he isn't really creating too many chances. Um, you know, he's slipping here and there. It just, it doesn't look like Josie for 88 minutes of the match. And then we get this humble reminder of why we pay Josie Alter what we pay Josie Alter and why we love Josie Alter is because it takes one moment in a game for Josie Alter to completely change a fixture. And mm-hmm. Montreal fans got that humble reminder in the 89th minute when, you know, he silenced the crowd and everything mm-hmm. else is history from there. Uh, longest goal scoring drought. I'm pretty sure that at, at was Toronto uh, at, Oh, okay, good. Cause yeah, I mean, yeah. there was last summer in Montreal, back in the, uh, before days when we traveled, uh, for away support, um, the, uh, Josie Altidore, uh, scored his 11th goal and uh, two nil in the free kick in the, uh, last minute in, um, I think Gonzalez is Omar's first game. And that was kind of, they started the second half for TFC and when they went on a run and, and really turned things around and he brought on the North end, the full of the bell end of uh, a stad Saputo with the shushing and the, uh, mm-hmm. so he definitely likes the theatrics. Um, it is, uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, if he can make a, um, the all time Toronto scoring lead. I know that perhaps we have a, we have cool. a, a poll about that and would love to hear people. I've got a little sauce on the side with a couple of friends um, that will he become the all-time. So seva has got 83 for Toronto in all competitions. Josie's got 73. Now he's under contract for another two and a half years. So there's plenty of games ahead of him. 
I don't know if anyone thinks he'll play the next two and a half years here in, in Toronto Red, but if we have a dozen more games in this next phase of Toronto FC, plus perhaps a couple of playoff games, and he gets into next season, you've got to think there's enough runway there to get 11 goals as a Red, I think. I'll, I'll put him on 84 as a, Toronto, uh, as a Toronto FC. What do you guys think about that? I'm going to what's mute his, myself and get a little battery for my phone here. Or, uh, what, what's his average uh, uh, goals per year? Well, this is his fifth year with um, – or sixth year uh, with Toronto FC. And, uh, Don't hurt yourself, Martin. It's not that yeah, important of a question. I'm going for power here. Okay, um, okay. But, no, so, so I look – and he has scored – he has scored uh, – he's played six less games than Seba did. Uh, sorry, six more games, but eight less starts than Seba did. Uh, and because of all Seba's dead ball goals, uh, he's actually got about seven or eight more from open play than mm-hmm. Jovenko did. Because Jovenko had uh, 12 from the spot and 16 as a free kick, whereas Josie's only got two free kicks and eight from the spot. So he's actually got, um, yeah, f- far more from open play. Um, so, yeah, what do, you, what do you guys think about that? Sorry, Martin, that? did you say 16, one six? Seba had 16 free kick goals. That's a record that won't be top for TFC for... Oh. It's ridiculous. I don't even know how long because that is absolutely absurd. I I know. I remember like Javanko slapped in free kicks. I just didn't know it was sixteen. That's why. That's until uh, that's until they sign Manny Aparicio, of course. That, that's when that record gets broken. <laughs> uh, At one point, he had sixteen, and Toronto FC, I believe, when Rooney hit one in in the ninetieth minute. That was the 18th they'd ever conceded. But at one point, Seba was one behind all the free kick goals that they'd ever given up. All right, sign Seba. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring him yeah. back. Let's go. Oh, he got yeah. one yesterday. Did you guys see that on Twitter? He got uh, a free kick classic yesterday. So, oh, anyway. I missed that, man. Yeah, I missed that. I'm going yeah, to have oh, to yeah, look yeah. it up. Yeah, yeah. Damn. But uh, so, so uh, any, anyone else having him for 11 more as a red? I mean, we don't know where he'll be playing. Mm-hmm. next september but anyone else gonna put their hand in the air with me i do i'm with you there martin absolutely yeah, i'm with you um yeah i just think yeah i think the floodgates get going from here and i just think toronto FC's offense are just way too lethal this season for them not to be banging in goals and you know as you said josie has two and a half years left hopefully you know like he can make the most out of those years if not clubs usually look to sell a player when there's like a year left on their contract. So a year and a half gives them enough time to, you know, bang in 11, 11 goals, I think. Yeah. yeah. It's not like Josie hasn't had chances these past couple of matches. There's, you know, now that he has the confidence, I'd imagine we're, we're going to see a lot more goals from, from Josie Altidore. So yeah, I think as long as he's around next season, then that record most likely falls. Um, you know, Sorry, just, speaking, just before we move yeah, on, just on that topic one more time, I, I noticed that TFC have been, and Greg Vanny kind of touched on this, they've been trying to get Josie going. And you can kind of, it's mm-hmm. kind of obvious when you look at Piatti and Pozuelo, their first um, instinct usually is to, you know, link up with one another because they kind of play a similar play style. But now in the more recent games, their, their first instinct in the offensive third is now maybe to link up with Josie Altidore. Um, and we, we noticed that a couple of times when they, they, curled a couple balls into the back post obviously Josie can get the finish or can get the final touch but you know there is something there that is building and hopefully they can build on that sorry Mitch keep going yeah no no worries I think that's I think that's a great point to make uh about Altidore and a good point about the team you know they they understand how important Altidore is and you know they have to get him going if they want to be at their very best um speaking of 
you know, the Toronto FC team being at their best or perhaps getting better this week, Toronto FC acquiring a player on loan, uh, fullback Tony Gallagher um, from Liverpool, mostly played with their youth side, but had some professional experience as well with Falkirk of the SPL. Um, as well as one game. I think he played in that League Cup game where... Yeah, uh, Aston Villa Klopp... torched them like 5-1 yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where Klopp trotted out all the youngsters um, as, as kind shades of a protest. Of, shades of Agra Keche and the, and the Houston Sea Squad. Yeah, because, because they, were, they were at the Club World Cup. So he wasn't even in the, he wasn't even in the country. They were all over right. in the Club World Cup. So they had to roll out the, the under-23s. And, uh, and I, I believe... We heard about that from uh, Charlie for about seven or eight months after uh, later. Is <laughs> yeah. best of the best club in the world five nil? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, if, when you're an Aston Villa fan, you take wins however you can get them. You don't care if it's coming against the senior squad or a, nope, a U23 nope. squad. Um, Forfeit, let's but, celebrate. Yep. Mm-hmm. But yeah, absolutely. I've uh, I actually was talking to someone uh, over in Liverpool about this player and they think he's going to be a great fit. Sounds like someone, you know, he does have that pro experience, which I think is, is important. And he also, um, you know, hardworking player sounds like he's pretty good offensively can whip in a great cross. And and that's exactly what Toronto FC need right now. I think uh, Rudy Schuler was on last week talking about, you know, how important Richie Larea is and how Toronto FC maybe don't have enough players like that, that can get up and down the line um, and create offense from out wide. So, um, you know, as to where he fits in the in the depth chart, we'll find out. But I think it's good to have another option there, certainly. Um, I guess Michael will go to you first, and then Jeff looks like he has a thought. Well, I, it's sort of a it's sort of a um, uh, it's a, a segue a little bit because you were talking about Rudy. So so maybe I should just uh, quickly interject that we got a bit of clapback uh, about our our Erickson Gallardo uh, rage <laughs> last week. Uh, on our own boards and and what better than to than to respond to clap back in a in this bubble where no one can actually respond to us back uh, the the general gist of it was that uh, uh, you know Gallardo's not really a tam player um, in the same way that you know say Piotti's not really a dp because he can be bought down and then uh, the the points brought up were that you know we basically use tam to pay for Erickson Gallardo's transfer fee you know he's making 300k uh, per season. Um, you know, I, I agree with all of that in principle, but, but there was a very, uh, it ignores the fact that Vanny was looking for a Tam winger for a year and a half. And when, and when Gallardo came into town, he was very, 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 very much billed as this Tam winger. So to me, uh, regardless of the specifics and, and the semantics of the issue, he has to be judged as a Tam winger. I, uh, would you agree with that? I don't. No. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I know you. you love I Erickson. personally don't, um, but I, I don't know. I'll let you guys speak, and if you guys have a different opinion on it. MB1? Oh, no, I, there's no way I'm going to break a tie between the two of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mike, let's move we're, on. We're, we'll, we'll we're going to the fourth tiebreaker. It's the away goal differential. <laughs> <laughs> Eric Zengard has zero. Jeff, you win. <laughs> well, what I will say on this is, uh, is I think to bring it back, the fact that, you know, maybe Greg Vanny hasn't had, and you can include, I think, Erickson Gallardo, at least in terms of what we've seen from him so far. Greg Vanny has said for a number of years that he wants to play with wide players. And I don't think Toronto FC's done nearly enough to bring in top quality wide players. Um, so you maybe look at Gallagher as, as 
a player like that that they could you know could add some depth to Toronto FC out wide. Um, especially now that I th- I think Richie Lorea is the best option at left wing Toronto FC has right now. I think we I saw that against Montreal. I think that's the way going you forward, don't that. you, Michael? I wholeheartedly agree with that. Richie Lorea is our best player 1v1. Danny said that after the match. On the left wing, man, this guy has swagger. He has the swagger of a winger, and he has the ability to take people on. If you're If he's going left, he has the ability to stop and go right, and that is so difficult for a defender to defend against and especially when you can do it at the pace that Richie Lorena does he's so direct if he gets a step on you he's not stopping and we see that he'll take that all the way to the byline which means you have to sprint to make up that ground and if you're not sprinting as fast fast as Richie Lorena is you're not making up that ground and we saw how effective that could be against the you know that that team last game and just that that goal was was spectacular the one he set up for Piatti this is just Again, it reminded me of Alfonso Davies. I think mm-hmm. I mentioned that after. After just, it's it's a good good problem for TFC to have. I guess is fitting in all these fullbacks moving forward. Um, I still have a, kind of a, a a hint that Gallagher may be able to play some center back as well. Uh, that's just based off my own kind of judgment there. Um, in this kind of MLS kind of style. I think he, he has the ability to kind of slot in there if necessary. I don't think he's the first option there, but it's just versatile across the back because he's played left back, he plays right back, and I think he can play some center back too. So um, maybe that does propel uh, Richie Larea forward, as Mitch kind of touched on earlier. Are we still under the assumption that um, we're hearing this next phase might be a dozen games? Like, like we know the three left in September – and I, and I think they want to get about 12 more left in this phase before they go to the playoffs. So if, if you're playing nine games in October, I, I think there's going to be plenty of minutes. And, and I think it's great to have – like, he's not coming over to watch, right? He's, he's coming over to play. And, and I think there'll be enough fixtures in October that um, if he doesn't start every game, obviously, or if he's not left back every game, that I think there'll be an, enough uh, minutes and enough positions to slot him in and, and get a look. And, and – uh, echo everything you've said about Lorea and um, sometimes it, even like the last game when he subbed in, it's uh, the, the speed is just uh, exponential when it's in the second half, right? When it's against tired legs, mm-hmm. it, it just, it's just time, you know, exponential. Yeah. It's it, delicious. It's, it's absolutely delicious to watch. Um, two points, Mike, I know you answered a question. Someone was saying this is a loan with an option to purchase. And you said you think it's just a loan, a straight outright loan. Uh, and, uh, the other is, uh, to your question, Martin, they've announced the three, uh, the language in some of the other tweets, uh, I think Neil Davidson put one out where he was saying the anticipation is, is that they're going to play out the rest of the season right. In, right. in, in, uh, Ohio, but, uh, we, we know nothing beyond the three games that were announced. I, I imagine once they're there, uh, they don't want to move. Uh, so yeah. logic would suggest that that's our home, uh, for, for the rest of the Connecticut, season. Right. Not Ohio. Oh, did I say yeah. Connecticut? Oh, oh yeah. I just want to make sure. I, I don't. I'm not yeah. the greatest yeah, 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 yeah. geography, oh, but yeah, yeah. Right? If we're if we're going to turn that corner, honestly, you know what I'm hoping comes out of this, and and I am not the man to do it. But uh, I, about six eight months ago or so, uh, at the beginning of the spring when the season was starting, uh, Haley, um, who's got fantastic Photoshop skills, wins every single contest TFC puts out there. She yeah. um, <laughs> she did the Friends opening with uh, all the TFC players. I don't know if you guys remember that, but the Friends TV show. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really hoping, and it doesn't have to be Haley, but 
I'm hoping that there's a who's the boss opening in the future, uh, because it's the first thing I think of when I think of Connecticut is the who's the boss. And, and I think the music would be delightful. And I'm not exactly who, who Tony would be, but um, I, I'm hoping that's under my Christmas tree uh, this fall. Well, who, who who would be Tony? I mean, I when I think of Hartford, I think of uh, Maury Povich and Jer and Jerry Springer, because uh, they've all got their studios in Hartford, right? So, I, I, you know, I would go there in a heartbeat. I'm sure they're not shooting anything. But, yeah. Um, yeah, just Michael, uh, I just. I just IMDb'd it, by the way. Who's the boss is a 1984 sitcom. Because <laughs> I was. Thanks, man. Thanks. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. <laughs> Tony yeah, Manza. back to the Gallagher conversation, guys. Come on. I can't keep up. Um, let's speak my language now. Um, anyways, actually, back to the Gallagher. Um, I, the, the loan move makes complete sense because for a few reasons. One, we don't know what the salary cap is going to look like next year, uh, next year and what the league is going to look like. So a loan just makes the most sense when you're trying to bring in top talent for not a, a long time, right? Without committing too much future to it. Secondly, it's also the secondary transfer window. So a loan move means you're not paying a transfer fee and half of your salary is only counted against the salary cap, meaning they can fit in a player that's playing in England under the salary cap during this year and, you know, not commit again, commit anything to the future. If they're going to have to buy him, they're probably looking at maybe a 700,000 pound, you know, release clause or something like that. I don't know if that's actually a thing, but they're looking mm -hmm. at something like that. And then you look into him becoming a TM player, a DP, DP, DP player. Right. Mm -hmm. So this is kind of like a loophole uh, with to getting a TM quality player at not the TM price. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not a blaze Matuti kind of loophole but uh, yeah. a loophole. I, mean, <laughs> I, don't, I don't understand that deal at all and now Higuain's coming in and he's he's now official well it's not official official but he'd be making more than Josie he'd be the highest paid player mm -hmm. in the league mm -hmm. rightfully so right yeah, yeah. I, I think so too I think that's a, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's a player who's going to score a lot of goals especially on a Miami team that's starting to look pretty dangerous with uh, mm -hmm. a lot of their attacking options you know finally finding some some consistency see together but um we've we've alluded to this a lot uh, announcements this week of phase two of Toronto FC season as I said they're headed to Hartford uh they're gonna play DC Columbus New York City FC uh only the one game at East Hartford of course uh at Rentschler Field um stadium hosted U.S. national team games for both teams hosted actually a New York City FC game back in 2017 as well New York's played in pretty much every every stadium, stadium. Right? Yeah, yeah every parking lot they, they need a home <laughs> in the surrounding area certainly um yeah I guess just general thoughts on that I mean as we kind of alluded to uh, all the Canadian teams are going down Vancouver's in Portland uh Montreal headed to Harrison um I think this is probably going to be longer than for just three games but um as of right now we just know three games again some some pretty decent opponents for Toronto FC over the next uh, couple of weeks so so I have a question do you prefer this uh having our own home base that we're not sharing with another team or would you have rather we ended up at a you know a sleepover party with Montreal and the Red Bulls in Harrison or otherwise I would Oh, sorry. Go no, Byron, please go. I was I was just going to say because we went through this kind of with the Blue Jays hunting for a, a home for a while. I would say 
Connecticut is equal to Red Bull. Like, like I don't think being in another team stadium is that much of a disadvantage with the exception of always being in another teams. So mm-hmm. if, if we play 12 games and six of them are home games, if we were to play them in generic MLS stadium A, I'm okay with that. But if we played the other team in their home stadium all six times, that's a no-go. Like, like mm-hmm. to play at, you know, um, six because then they're getting the luxuries of their home. If Orlando has to come to Red Bull Arena to play us, that, that's not a huge advantage for Orlando. But mm-hmm. if we have to play our home game against Orlando in Orlando, I wouldn't want that. So, so th- this is the greatest. Op- this is a great option for me. But, but a Red Bull option wouldn't bother me. A fan who's got nothing to do with the team all that much. I- I'll let the team speak for themselves. But just from a fan point of view, I- I'm glad that they're not always playing their opponent in their opponent's stadium. Yeah, yeah, I think that's an important point. I'll I'll take it one step further. I think this is a knock out of the park for Toronto FC to be mm. able to secure the stadium. Um, a Michael Bradley and Josie Altara have already played there, so there is some familiarity from their, you know, some of their biggest players. Um, B Martin, you kind of touched on it. The Blue Jays kind of went through this whole process of looking for their own stadium, and they were actually told by Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, that they couldn't, you know be in that state so for the fact that tfc is able to secure their you know spot in a different state that, that that's a win on its own mm-hmm. um sec uh thirdly back on the blue jays again they were um criticized i guess some new york yankees players are kind of criticizing bison's uh, the buffalo bison's field there um saying you know obviously it wasn't up to standards and you know they didn't obviously there was something they didn't like about being there Jays players, they've embraced that place and they've made it their own and they've made a home field advantage. So for Mm -hmm. TFC to go out and secure something that's somewhat similar to BMO Field in terms of its dimensions, in terms of its facilities and stuff like that, and to be able to call it it its own that no other team can share, other teams have to come in and play it, that's a win for Toronto FC to be able to establish itself a a home park, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think the familiarity uh, aspect of that is, is a great point, certainly. And I think also, you know, the, the fact that they won't be competing for field time with another MLS team, especially one where it's legitimately their home stadium, right? Like you would think Red Bulls always get the preference as to what time they want to train on the field, mm-hmm. um, all those sorts of things, uh, you know, uh, certainly I think that's big for Toronto FC is in securing their own venue. So uh, very much looking forward to seeing, you know, what they're able to put together in Hartford and how they're, how they try and make this their, their home field, because that's going to be pretty critical. I think for, for the rest of the season, as much as it's a disadvantage that they're not able to play at BMO field, you know, they have to try and uh, make this new field as much of an advantage as possible to, um, to get all the results they can there. Yeah. Life hands you lemons, make lemonade. Absolutely. Hanging out in the top three with, with, an unreal Columbus side and Philadelphia. Do you think, uh, do you think they'll be there at the end? I mean, it's hard to know because we don't know how many games are left and against who they'll play. So it's a bit of a fantasy land question, but. Um, here comes the poll. We got a poll. Yeah, what, yeah. <laughs> what do you, do, can TFC finish the season in the top three in the East? Can they go into the playoffs, whatever those playoffs might look like uh, in the top three? Um, I think they need six out of these nine points that we just discussed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll take it easy on them with Columbus, man. I was looking at the crew. They've conceded four goals this year in That's 11 crazy. matches. Like, we gave up three to Vancouver in one match. 
Columbus <laughs> conceded four the entire season. And uh, they're not playing the same three teams endlessly. Like, they're kind of going through the gamut of MLS. Like, they are proving themselves against previously quality sides that in 2020 are absolute screaming garbage fires. But that's uh, – I mean, I can't believe Zardes is, is, is potting so many – so many goals like he's finally working in a system that just gives him what he needs which is service to tap in these 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 sitters or these low these low crosses uh he looked he looks like a monster out there an absolute and beast that clumps cruise side has a big toronto fc footprint on it obviously mm-hmm. tim bespachenko there and we have some uh some of the TFC front office also going over there the, earlier this year. Um, you know, that that's a product of what we used to have potentially, you know, maybe Tim Desbachenko took his philosophy there and, you know, that he's, he's doing well there. Cause you know, we, he obviously did wonders for us mm-hmm. um, when he was here. So uh, it's good to see that side come into fruition. And you know, that makes that, that 29th is it September 29th. I believe they play yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. that game at, uh, at Ranchler field. The first one at Ranchler field, there is going to be, is going to be exciting. TFC versus Columbus. I'm uh, oh, sorry. I was just going to say Toronto's in, in no position to be looking past any opponent, opponents, especially when they're playing American teams for the first time in three months. Uh, but, you know, D- DC scored nine goals in 11 games. Uh, City is also underwater with 10 goals in 11 games. Uh, so with Q having, you know, triple clean sheets back to back to back, you know, the Toronto back line has it in them to keep a clean sheet. And, and, and I think United and City are, are two possible, you know, candidates to, to maybe hand Toronto another couple clean sheets. So that, mm. that's where I got to the six points. <laughs> Fair. Uh, but I'm allowed to look past the matches. Obviously, the team is not. Um, yeah. But, <laughs> but um, I, yeah, yeah. I, I think to stay in the top three, they got to at least get six points. Yeah, we, we saw what Toronto FC did to DC United. Uh, obviously, the last the first game the MLS is back tournament, they can see those two late goals after making a bunch of stuffs under the fl- hot Florida sun. But I think TFC has that team in their back pocket if they, they come out and perform to their game plan. Obviously, that's an if. Team mm-hmm. has to go ahead and do that. Um, that New York City FC team always always scares me. There's always something going on there. With TFC, there's something special happening. Some sort of magical match is going to happen, and I don't know if it's going to go in TFC favor so uh we'll keep an eye there but yeah I'm, I'm just looking forward to that september 29th match just because that columbus team has been so good so well, good well nyc i don't is maxi morales out for the season or is he just out with another extended injury i mean he's kind of their he's their secret weapon and they're a much worse team without him in the lineup so uh it, it would be interesting to see if he if he returns um, Martin, uh, I did want to mention what you brought up right before we started, which is uh, TFC has dropped to fourth in the power ranking. Oh, yes. Yeah. Philly and Seattle are now above them as well. Is that right? They're down to fourth. Um, mm. Yeah. I mean, I think that um, the MLS power rankings is a lit- has a little bit of re- recency bias. Of course it is. Which is fair <laughs> enough. Maybe not as much as the Canadian Premier League's recency bias. <laughs> <laughs> Which changes with Mercury, depending on the weather. But um, yeah, no, I I think, listen, I think Michael said at the beginning of the show, full credit to Toronto FC for for getting the job done in Montreal. Um, I don't think they were ever as good as the nine straight points they took in the first three games in Canada. I don't think they were as bad as the two dropped games they had in game four and five. So good for them for fighting back and and finishing this uh, sextet with, with, with a win on the road in Montreal. But, um, but yeah, top four in the power rankings in MLS, I'd take that heading into the next phase. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. 
I'd much rather have yeah. a B cup berth, but that's besides the point. Oh. <laughs> Uh, I think I think uh, I don't think you're going to find disagreement here for for that. But uh, I guess to to answer your question and, and move on from this, Martin, I do think Toronto FC ends up top three in the East at the end of the season. I don't think we've even close to seeing the best version of Toronto FC yet. I mean, Josie Altador, who uh, again last week we said might be the most important player on the team, hasn't even gotten going yet. So yeah. uh, I think if they can get him going and a, a number of other players have kind of over are underwhelmed so far this season, I think uh, I, I think Toronto's you know at least in the top three in the East. Uh, it would be a major I, disappointment if they don't. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, certainly with the money they spend and and you know the the just the mentality of the team, I, I think yeah, it's it is a big disappointment if Toronto FC aren't at least in that conversation for the top of the conference. And again, that September 29th game looms absolutely large in terms of, you know, what, what the potential of this team is in, in terms of, you know, the, the top teams certainly in MLS at the moment. Um, before we finish up here, I did quickly want to talk about the Island games. Um, big, big match day today that will determine which two teams will meet in the 2020 Canadian Premier League final. Uh, let's go to Martin here. I, I know there's a lot of permutations, but uh, just quickly, what should we be looking for today as, uh, of course, Forge and Calvary kick off just moments here. And then, of, uh, and then of course, Pacific and, and Halifax as well. Pacific are out, but otherwise the other three teams uh, could find themselves in the final. All right, I'll, I'll try to wrap this up in a minute uh, and, and get it all in because I'm excited about that Cavalry Forge 11. Like they played uh, spring season, fall season, Voyager Cup finals. They played in the round of eight and, the, and now they're playing in the round of four, the 11th time they faced each other. Um, so yeah, if Forge get a point, they're playing Halifax in the finals. If Calgary win the game, they're in the finals, probably against Halifax. Uh, there's a spreadsheet online. It's a waking the red um, that you can check out of all the permutations and, and cross-reference. But basically, Forge, if Forge and Halifax both lose, Forge is actually technically ahead because they have one better goal diff. But Halifax have the advantage of playing tonight, so they'll know exactly what they need to accomplish. And they're playing a team that has nothing to play for. So uh, I would be comfortable if I was a Halifax supporter. I'd be giddy if I was a Halifax supporter. Uh, being last place uh, last year, I think Dwayne said, from wooden spoon to potential, um, you know, shield holders. Um, but uh, as a Forge season seat holder, I hope Forge can, can nick a point this afternoon, uh, head to their second straight final. Um, and just because I looked it up, I need to say, uh, so Mavilla, Zator, and Krutzen will all play each other for the 11th time in, you know, 16 in months. The, yeah, in the history of our league. Yeah, they must like league. each other. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah they're best buddies, best friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, and one, one more shout out, because mm. Marty Thompson's been doing such a great job with the Penos. They've been calling it Penalty Island because mm -hmm. every match has had a penalty. So they've had 19 penalties in their 32 matches, and a quick search told me that it took 65 matches last year in the Canadian PL before we got our 19th spotter. So they've wow. done it in more than double time this season. Wow. Wow. A quick search. How did you come up with yeah, that? Quick, ah, quick quick search. Search, yeah, quick search. <laughs> I searched Twitter for 19 pennos and obtained a Stephen Sandor article from last year saying it's been 65 matches and we've had 19. So, ah, uh, shout yeah. out. Yeah, yeah wow, wow. The wow. dog found a bone today. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. 
Just a quick, well, just a quick Twitter search. Yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of penalties, I actually wanted to mention this, and I, I didn't know this before, but the Canadian Premier League final, it'll go straight to penalties after ninety. Which I, I know, I know that's the case of if it was a two-leg final. So you, I guess you want to keep some consistency there, but I don't like that in a one-leg no, final. No, no. I mean, we've got nothing but that. time. Why, why are we rushing it? Like, do they? Is there another bubble tournament that needs the PEI University field? <laughs> right afterwards and they've got to, you know, they've got to all help clean up. Uh, it doesn't make any sense to me. It, it, it should go to extra time. Come on. No, the more I think about it, the more mad I get. Like, why? That's so yeah. dumb. Like, for the yeah. players, mm-hmm. for even just playing in that, like, why would you want to end that game in penalties? Like, no. No, of course not. It's just, it's, it's, yeah. yeah. It's not the Carabao, it's not the fourth round of the Carabao Cup. Like, this, this is the... <laughs> This is the proper league championship, and you, yeah. the championship, you get to the national championship, you get to the continental um, league, uh, the, the sub-league uh, next year. Like they, they, You literally get three tangible awards for this match, and mm-hmm. so, so they're not playing another 30 from open play. I'll, I'll, make, it a, I'll, I'll make it unanimous. Yeah. That's, four, that's four X's from us. Yeah, it's a foul. Yeah. Mm. We we know we know of course that it is definitely going to penalties now because <laughs> spoken that into, not a doubt uh, in my mind yeah 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 but uh, before we end here I guess if we could get the poll results um, for those two polls please uh, that would be much appreciated just so we can wrap those up so uh, will Josie Altador Alt- become Toronto FC's all time leading scorer seventy five percent said yes. And the second one. 5% said no. Obviously, Seba fans. <laughs> <laughs> uh, will Toronto FC finish top three in the East? That unanimous. one was unanimous. 100%. Unanimous 100%. Yeah. That's I, think, I think that's was, pretty fair. Was but... the third poll how angry we're all going to be Wednesday night? Because uh, I don't know if they want to see <laughs> all the eyes, All eyes on Wednesday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm still 50-50 on watching, to be honest, guys. I almost want the 7 a.m wake up off airplane mode surprise that we're in the Voyager cup final. I almost don't want to watch it. <laughs> oh man. I don't, I don't think I can do that. It's going to hurt, but I have beer. So everything, you know, it all, yeah. yeah, it's definitely going to hurt. I may, I may have to upgrade to rest. Uh, uh, oh my God. What are they? Uh, Moscow mules. I may have to upgrade depending on the score. Only. But uh, I I'd like nothing better than to see than to see, you know, I can't hate to St. Ricketts. Like, he's he's amazing, and I love him so much. Mm-hmm. So I would like nothing better than to see him come on, super sub it, get the win for Vancouver, you know, put this to bed, uh, finish the job that we couldn't do. Well, you never want to leave, you know, a, a birth in the final into another team's hands, but you definitely don't want that team to be Vancouver. So we'll see what, uh, <laughs> we'll see what happens for Toronto FC. Yeah. Uh, tomorrow but uh you know uh, at the moment probably probably not looking the greatest but at any rate things are probably about to kick off here between forge and uh cavalry so uh we'll get that uh, we'll get out of here for you jeff you have one quick last well i mean we've been a vancouver thanks to that wonderful round of laughter we can officially say we've been a white caps fan supporter pod for one hour (laughs) exclusively because we're not anymore (laughs) yeah uh, it was a it was a tough hour. Uh, let's not do this again. <laughs> hey, Mitch, Thank I you. just want to say before we go, yeah. congrats to you guys, Jeff, Mitch, and you know even Martin here. You were honorary host today. We've reached our tenth episode, guys. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. double digits. So thank you to our listeners for you know hanging in there. Who, those who are listening to the very end here, thank you guys. We appreciate you no, so we much. Really do. We love you. Um, and yeah. it's been a pleasure talking to Toronto FC with you, and we hope to do it for you know another hundred episodes if we can. 
Yeah. Nice. Yeah, we are running out of guests, obviously. That's why Martin's here, but <laughs> we, <laughs> we do appreciate you coming on, Martin. Uh, some, some great stats stuff as always. And I think it was a it was a pretty perfect time with all the you know, Absolutely. all the table talk that we had. Absolutely. So yeah, we really do appreciate it. Yeah, I'm I'm glad I called the episode squeaky bum time. I was gonna call it thanks, I hate it, because all of the stats that Martin was yes. bringing were, were gonna just make me so sad, but he managed to avoid uh giving me a, a frown like a resting frown for the rest of the day. So I, I do appreciate that. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks again to producer Sophia. And uh, until next Tuesday, have a great week, everyone.